Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy is, I think, rightly regarded as one of the pinnacles of 20th century science fiction writing. It's not, I think, an easy read in lots of ways, but a few ideas help to sustain the narrative where it might perhaps otherwise falter, and I think it does falter, and my attempts to reread it decades after I first read it haven't been entirely happy. It's worth saying that Asimov wrote two sequels and a prequel, which are, I'm not sure about the prequel, but the sequels are certainly every bit as good as the original, and in some ways better. And they, in a sense, complete the story that I'm about to tell, which the triplets themselves, the trio themselves, the trilogy, don't entirely complete. And I'm going to try, as far as I can, to avoid spoilers. The background is that Asimov, like a lot of people of his time, became interested by, and almost at one stage, I think, persuaded by, the Marxist idea of what's called historical determinism. In other words, that if you could find the rules, social behavior behaves very much like the physics of the universe, according to laws, and there was, and still is, a view to the effect that those laws are deterministic. When Marx wrote in the 19th century, they were genuinely thought to be deterministic. Now they're not. But I don't think that much influenced Asimov. But the idea behind the book, the central idea, is that if you were smart enough, you could find the laws that govern human society. And that is what he called the science of psychohistory. In other words, if you could understand the human psyche sufficiently well, you could understand the laws governing human behavior, individually and socially, and so you could predict it. So that's the central idea behind the trilogy. That Asimov didn't remain a convicted historical determinism. Con sorry, not convicted. <laughs> well, perhaps you should be convicted, but a convinced historical determinist is instanced by, I think, two things. One, which is the setting with which the book begins, that empires and the galactic empire, as he describes it, the first empire, the first great empire centered on Trantor, far into the future when any origins of the human species on a planet called Earth have long been forgotten or regarded as mythology. He is saying 
that these vast empires inevitably die. They almost suffocate themselves, rather like someone who's sort of over, hugely overweight and can't breathe. Um, they couldn't control the periphery. There were increasing signs of unrest. And so it was necessary at some stage for somebody to come up with an idea that might somehow save the best of the empire for some future empire or from, for some future civilization because there were signs that the empire itself would eventually disintegrate. And you can see all sorts of metaphors in this. You know, it, it's not unlike the three three great uh, powers in Orwell's 1984. Uh, it's not unlike a lot of dystopian novels that basically say universal power, galactic power, will inevitably disintegrate. And so the idea arises that as a result of the discovery of the equations and the laws of psychohistory, and it's all very sort of primitive and naive in the book, it comes out as a series of equations, so to speak. The idea is that partly out of altruism, partly out of wisdom, partly out of recognition, and partly quite simply to get rid of the troublemakers, the rulers of the empire decide that they will allow Harry Seldon and his crew to form the foundation. And the foundation is to study the laws of psychohistory. And in order to put it out of harm's way, they, they essentially exile it to the furthest reaches of the known universe, which is either a galaxy or a universe, I can't really remember and it doesn't much matter so that's what the foundation is it's the place where psychohistory is protected but the fly in the ointment and I hope this isn't a spoiler because I think it occurs quite early in the novels is that Harry Seldon himself never makes it but because he's so confident of the future predictions of his theory, he records, he pre-records some appearances which are going to happen periodically when he will come back as a hologram and tell people what to do next. Now, if historical determinism were true and if psychohistory were possible that in a sense would be the end of it but because Asimov gave up on it he creates a disturbance in the system and the disturbance comes in the shape of someone whom psychohistory does not predict the maverick the eccentric the unpredictable and you can sense the ambivalence with which Asimov 
regards this because in some ways the person that he invents is an antidote to the thing he most fears which is that psychohistory might be right and that we are all just pawns in a cosmic game of chess but the character that he creates is a figure of such ambivalence that we're never quite sure whether Asimov regards him as a saviour or as an arch-enemy. Well, I think we are sure. He, he does regard him as an arch-enemy, but he gives him such powers as to make him appear more ambivalent than most arch-enemies do. He's not a Bond villain, in other words. I'm not going to say any more, because I think that it does spoil the books. There are some interesting ideas in the sequels, the most interesting of which is a guy that Asimov clearly came across a 19th century philosopher called Charles Sanders Peirce, who invented the notion of what's called abduction. Now, you've probably heard of deduction and induction, but abduction is something Peirce invented, which is the ability to draw the right conclusion from amounts of evidence that most people would find completely inadequate and insufficient. In other words, you're given shreds of evidence, but somehow, even though they're not adequate, you draw the right conclusions anyway. And uh, one of the heroes of one of these books is a guy who can do this. And again, I'm not going to say who it is, or under what circumstances he can do it, or what the plot is. And Asimov died after six volumes, but the last of them dies in a tantalising cliffhanger, which he clearly intended to go on and write about, but never was spared long enough to do so. Anyway, I hope that might help a little bit. I don't think watching the Apple Foundation series will help at all. I've admittedly only seen series one, but I simply could not recognise the books in it at all, and I don't really know why it's called Foundation, because I just gave up. Well, I didn't give up on it. I enjoyed it as a series in its own right, but I didn't see Asimov's original conception in it at all. Well, there you are. This is me rambling on a Sunday afternoon. I hope that helps a little.